Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Who Says No. We are recording this roughly 18 hours before the start of the NBA draft. There haven't been any big moves since the Grizzlies-Pelicans trade, but the closer we get to Adam Silver stepping up to that podium, the likelier it gets that the draft sleeping giant is going to awaken from its slumber and make some big blockbuster move that's going to shake the entire night. So joining me to talk about that sleeping giant is the host of the Topic Thunder podcast, Stephen Dolan. Stephen, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. It, we, this has been a struggle with, with you on Japan time for your <laughs> profession right now. <laughs> We've been trying to make this work for about 36 hours now. <laughs> it's not just, I was covering the Olympics last night, but I also had a column that I had to write about the Grizzlies about their trade with the Pelicans and the Warriors. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to power through. I'm going to cover Team USA. And then I'm going to write this column. And then either we'll, we'll work the podcast in before, but I think the the one that I think pro you're probably judging me for is what if I just stay up after staying up all night and we record this at eight in the morning and you being a sane, you know, normal human being couldn't do that. But I'm glad that we can finally do this. We're now getting this up the day of the draft, which I think is appropriate. It must be really exciting to cover a team like the Thunder leading up to the draft, just because I've never felt like any team has had this many possibilities. They can do everything anything you know it is exciting it's um it's kind of con uh, conflicting emotions about it right because like I, I don't know if you're following i mean i know we follow each other on twitter but yeah i don't know if you're following my tweets about the odds of what was going to happen with the thunder leading into the draft but you know we had almost a 50% chance of getting the rockets pick at 5 and then we had like a 45% chance of getting our own pick in the top four. So between those two, we were looking at, I think the number was like 72% of us getting one pick in the top five. And then we're looking at 18% getting the sixth pick and then like and just reducing, right? And, and then like the lowest possible chance we could get was the eighth pick, but that would land us the Rockets pick at five. And then, and then, so basically, the seventh pick was our worst possibility, and then the sixth pick was our second worst possibility, and that's what ended up happening. So it was such a letdown. But you're right, though, that like we are, we we have been so long, um, humble brag, since we have actually cared about what's going to happen on draft day, like really, really cared, and we care. <laughs> tomorrow <laughs> it's really it's, it's going to reshape the entire organization whatever they end up doing and like you're right going into the lottery there was a chance that like they could have come away with two stars right like there was a chance maybe it's going to be Cunningham and and Kaminga or like Barnes and, and Jalen Green or Barnes and Mobley it's like now you're in this position where you're going to get a good player if you stay at six probably not a superstar. Then you have 16 and 18, which are going to, they're probably going to get one of those picks, right? One of them wrong, as tends to be the case in that range of the draft. But with Shea Gildas Alexander, like that team is going to be too good to really tank for another super high pick. So it's in this position where you almost wonder, like we have all of these assets, but we're not really in an ideal position to land another top, top player through the draft. Do we have to do it through a trade? And that's going to be the premise of this podcast today. If the Thunder want to, I think here's the best way to put it. Are you a big Conan O'Brien fan by any chance? Um, I enjoy that he's tall um, and, 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 and his hair. But I on, think his last, 
on his last episode of The Tonight Show, he was talking about how grateful he was to have gotten the chance to host it. And he goes, ladies and gentlemen, I think the fact that I'm doing this proves that you can do anything you want in life. Pause for effect. <laughs> Unless Jay Leno wants to do it too. And that's sort of how I feel about the Thunder, right? Like I was, I was writing about the Pelicans a couple nights ago. And I was talking about like, you know, some moves they could make down the line. And it's like the Pelicans can trade for anybody they want to, unless the Thunder want that player too. (laughs) So we're going into a draft night (laughs) where in theory, the Thunder could probably trade for any pick in this draft. They're sitting at number six. Can I, can I interject? Please. Unless the other team wants that player too. Well, sure. But the Thunder have so many (laughs) draft picks and, so much young talent to work with that they could overwhelm any team in the lottery for their pick. So that's going to sort of be the premise of this podcast. You are going to act as Sam Presti, general manager of the Oklahoma City Thunder, and I am going to act as the general manager of the five teams picking ahead of the Thunder. That would be the Pistons, the Rockets, the Cavs, the Raptors, and the Magic. We are going to see if we can agree to a trade where the Thunder would bowl one of these teams over and get up to their pick and take well, depending on where, maybe Cade Cunningham, maybe Evan Mobley, maybe somebody else. But leading into this, I just want to ask you in broader terms, we've seen these rumors about Shea Gildas-Alexander possibly being involved in trade rumors. I don't know how much I believe it, but I'll just ask you in pure hypothetical terms, without knowing what you're getting back, how would you feel about trading Shea Gildas-Alexander? Oh, bad, man, bad. Um, it, it seems to me like all the rumors so far are coming from Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report. And we talked before the podcast started about how I hate these uh, green room pods where they, where they don't actually then put them out into the public. But I've had people tell me that on the Mark Stein, Jake Fisher pod that he has reported that his Oklahoma city thunder contact has stopped talking to him. That makes me wonder whether or not, do you watch game of Thrones, Sam? Oh Yeah. Okay, so so you know the part where Tyrion Lannister is wondering who the mole in the castle is. So he gives each person a different piece of information and waits until he receives back which person, which piece of information has been reported to his nemesis. You know yep. that part? Yep. That makes me wonder if that's something that's happened. <laughs> I will say, because- I've heard from a lot of different people that the Thunder, like the term Zach Lowe used was the Thunder have gone dark. So it seems like it's it's not a coincidence to me that so many different reporters are saying all at once the Thunder are talking to nobody right now. So so let me ask you, Sam, what do, what does that make you think as a non-Thunder fan? What does that make you think when we reach this close to the draft and the Thunder have gone dark? So what does that make you think? I am personally of the opinion that Sam Presti can't be counted out of doing literally anything. Like I would uh-huh. I would be surprised if the Thunder say traded for Bradley Beal tomorrow night, but I think there's like a 1% chance of it or whatever, like tiny number compared to like, there is no chance whatsoever that the Kings are going to do that. Or you you get what I mean with the Thunder. You have to feel like anything's on the table. If I had to guess, I would say that right now they're trying to trade up. I would guess that Shea Gilgis Alexander is not in that deal, but I wouldn't rule anything out. And just as far as the hypothetical, would they, or should they trade SGA? question goes, I'll just lay out the argument for doing so. I'm not saying I would do it, but the argument for doing so in my mind comes down to two things. The first is that 
if you're the Thunder, you know that you're probably never going to be able to lure a star through free agency. So your two ways of doing it are through the draft and through trade. Well, the trade option is going to be there for a while. The draft, your odds get lower and lower every year as you get better. Well, if you're the Thunder and you want to have another high pick next year, would you rather have fourth year Shea Gilgis-Alexander or insert rookie X who might be better down the line, but isn't there now? Not only are you getting the value of the trade itself, you're also making your own draft pick more valuable. So that's the first part. The second part is more subjective. Can I weigh in on the first part? Go ahead. Yeah. So I see this a lot, and it's the it's it's the idea that the Thunder are too good to tank with Shea Gilgis Alexander, which basically is that Shea Gilgis Alexander is too good to tank, right? Um, the Thunder went, I believe it was sixteen and nineteen with Shea to start last year before his. I mean, I mean, you can decide whether or not you believe. <laughs> or not about well, his plantar fasciitis. I the, think he, the, the fact, fact that is, he's not playing for Canada suggests to me thank that you. real. Yes, yes, exactly. I, I think that's the, the, the size of point. Because to be honest, I wasn't sure until that happened. I agree. Um, At the time, I thought, oh, this is like my all yeah. my red flags were going up. Like this is just some tanking nonsense. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, you know, he, he wanted to play for Team Canada. So, um, the so the the Thunder's record was really good with him. The fact of the matter is, though, that the net rating of the Thunder, even when they were sixteen and nineteen, was like bottom five in the league. And I, you have smart listeners. I've I've listened to your podcast. You have smart guests. You have smart listeners. Everybody on here knows that net rating is the most predictive metric of team success. And it was in the toilet. It, it was the Thunder had the 30th offense in the league, 29th, give or take, you know, with Cleveland, it was neck and neck. And it, the only reason they stayed alive was because they had like the 14th best defense. That's you replace, probably not going to sustain next year. You, <laughs> right. You, like Dort's still going to be here and that's awesome. But you replace Horford and you replace Mike Muscala, not a great defender, but a veteran. And you replace George Hill. You replace all these veterans with rookies. The defense is going to suffer. So maybe the offense gets a touch better. Probably not, though, with rookies. <laughs> the defense gets worse. Like, the net rating is still going to be in the toilet. I I have all the respect for Shane in the world. I think he's a star i think he's gonna make all nba teams but that roster is not gonna buoy us to the <laughs> anywhere relevant well that sort of leans into the second point and this point is ultimately more subjective which is that i think there is a certain class of young player that is so transformative that functionally speaking i wouldn't trade them for anything right like i don't think there's any reason you would ever trade trey young for 10 first round picks because if you have 10 first round picks the odds are none of them have any chance of getting up to that level. I think Devin Booker is in that class. Like there are a few other guys that are like that. I'm not saying I would be trying to trade Shea Gildas Alexander. What I'm saying is if somebody offered me 10 first round picks, it's he's not the sort of talent that makes me say, I will never get another guy like this. I have to hold on to him. So my essential point here is that I'm not saying I would trade him. I'm saying you could bowl me over. Yeah, and I, that's another one of the reports from Jake Fisher is that there was an executive, singular, within the league who said that Shea is gettable and, well, I don't know the vulgarity 
<laughs> level of this podcast, but let's say he would be effing expensive. Let's just go there. Um, look, the the term untouchable gets overused in this league, right? It's like, okay, Luca right now is untouchable. So fun um, fact on this, earlier we did a podcast about Luca when like there was there was the drama surrounding him in Dallas. And I posed this question, would the Mavericks take all 17 Thunder first round picks or all 18 first round picks for Luca? And we immediately came to the realization that the answer was no. I do think that's not. an interesting exercise. There are like 10 players in the NBA that the Thunder could not trade for even with all of their picks. Luca's no one chance. of them. Yeah. And, and Shea does not meet that level yet. And that's okay. But he's functionally untouchable, right? Like I... The idea that any singular draft pick would meet the expectation of being as successful as Shea at this early of an age, I, I think is kind of laughable. Like, I, I, I mean, there, there's, there's a website I refer to, at like, I think it's 82games.com where they did this analysis of past draft picks. And I don't, I don't love their metric. And I've done my own based on win shares for the, for the years since they've finished theirs. And it's like, Something like 25% of top five draft picks become superstars, like maybe even less. And I know that that varies draft to draft because you then you end up with like, okay, but this is Cade. This is Cade. So let's analyze him alone. But the confidence that you would have to have to say that this guy is going to, in his third year average, like 25, 5, and 5 on 42% three-point shooting and I don't know if you've seen but like the the stats on the fact that Shea produces like 85 percent of his own offense and is never assisted and it still has this ridiculous true shooting number like that I'm not saying Cade won't get there I think it's reasonable to say Cade will get there but I think it's unreasonable to say that Cade will probably get there so like that's where Shea's value is right now so I think that's a good way to sort of dive into the exercise of this podcast. Let me get into my Troy Weaver mode. Let me get into character. Okay. I live in a very cold city. We haven't won in a while. Okay. I'm a former Thunder executive. So, you know, we've got a little bit of a connection here. All right. So as has been... Well, stop leaking fake trade reports then, Troy. <laughs> well, you're right. You did. It was reported that you offered us Shea Gildas Alexander the number six pick for the number one pick, which presumably would be Cade Cunningham. Well, you're right. That offer is that we leaked that offer, but that's that offer is not good enough for us. We want more. So the proposal that I'm going to make for you here today, if you want to jump up to number one and get Cade Cunningham, we want number six. We want SGA. And we also want 16 and 18. So what do you say to that? Look, I'm going to be honest with you, Troy slash Sam. Um, it's weird that my exercise, name is Sam because you're Sam Presti in this exercise. <laughs> Troy, Troy slash uh, S Quinn. Um, this exercise is going to be very simple if you want Shay. The fact is, I am willing to discuss Shay for the first pick for Cade. Um, we can discuss that. We will not be discussing Shay plus six for any of these picks from, I think it, from, one, from one and onward. I think at this point, we're probably not going to come to a consensus, but let's just, okay, let's say number six is off the table. 
What are you willing to put on top of SGA to get to number one? I, I've just got to be honest. Like as as I've discussed, I I am a draft skeptic. Um, I I do not believe that the likelihood of basically any pick you can make a couple exceptions. Like maybe you can say LeBron. Um, people were pretty sure he was going to be really good. Maybe you could say Zion. Maybe. Anthony uh, Davis. Maybe, an- maybe Anthony Davis. Yeah. I don't think I am sure that Kate Cunningham rises to the level of those prospects. Uh, and I'm like 90% sure that, that Shea is going to make an all-NBA team at some point in his career probably within the next few years. And it just, again, like I, I get the idea that if you're like, if you watch these prospects and you just say, this guy is the guy, this guy is a superstar. He's going to win an MVP in his career. I mean, kudos to you for being so smart, I suppose, but that's just not how the, how the draft works most of the time. I, I think if you're, if you're Oklahoma city and you're making this trade specifically, you have to do it with the idea in your head that Cade Cunningham is better in the long term than Shea Gilgis Alexander. I don't know exactly. if that's the case. I just don't think you can do it with the idea that, Oh, three years of team control at, you know, that the rookie scale versus, you know, only one like extra cap space doesn't do that much for me. If I'm Oklahoma city, mm. I'd like, you know, I, I guess I, you have to genuinely believe you're giving up that much that you're getting a transformational superstar. You can't just bet that you're getting one down the line. So just off the record, I think I agree with you. I don't think there's really space for a deal. And on the Detroit end <laughs> what, of things... What do, you, what do you think this is? Green room? We're on the record, Sam. <laughs> on the Detroit end of things, I think this is the rare lose-lose trade because I think they so badly... Like, who was the last franchise player the Pistons had? Maybe you could say Chauncey Bolt slash Ben Walls, but, like, not even really. We only talk about the 2004 Pistons as the champion without a start. Like, it has really been since Grant Hill that they've had a guy that, like, they could latch onto, not just on the court, but it's like, this is the face of the franchise. This is the guy that every kid in Detroit is going to pretend to be in their driveway. Like, that means a lot to a franchise. I'm not saying Cade is that good, but I think the hope of taking him at number one is worth something, right? And that's no shade on Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I just don't think he excites the fan base in the same way. I don't think he helps sell tickets in the same way. I think, and the other part of it is, like, I hate to say this. If you're trading for a star as a losing team in the modern NBA, you're running a really big risk because Shea is in his mm-hmm. third year now. By like year six or seven, you'd better be pretty good because if you're not, he's going to force his way out. The Pistons need that runway. I'm not convinced that the Thunder do. Yeah, I no, I totally get that. I, I, I honestly do think that this is a trade that neither team, and, and, and as of now, we're just talking Shea for one, like not even including six, right? I honestly think that neither team should agree to that. And I mean, look, the fact is, though, if if I mean, you're talking about the fact that if Cade is that guy, you know, if the team who drafts him or the team who trades for him thinks he is that guy, then do it. And the fact is, it, I don't agree with it right now. But as you can see, my shirt, I've got Sam Presti on it. And if Sam Presti decides that Cade is worth it, then I, I'm just going to get on board. But. Before he decides that, 
I'm saying it's not worth it. Do Thunder fans care that he played college in Oklahoma? Like, is that something that actually matters? Uh, I guess it's a little hard to tell, honestly, because I, I live in Seattle right now. I'm from Oklahoma. We moved to Seattle five years ago. Now that is, is about as ironic a geographic timeline is. as I can imagine in the NBA. <laughs> I wear I wear the shirts in public, man. <laughs> I wear them in public. <laughs> but the but the fact that like so all my all my family's back in Oklahoma, but they're not really into basketball. Some of my friends are, and but I, I guess I consider them pretty educated about it. And we all consider each other on NBA Twitter idiots. But the fact is the average person on NBA Twitter knows a lot more about basketball or a lot more about the NBA than just the like the ab the average person walking around on the street. I learned that right. in 2019 when one of my friends in a group chat said that Giannis couldn't play for Team USA during the World Cup. That was my <laughs> like, oh wow, like grass isn't always greener moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess I would say that probably the average Oklahoman who is I mean, college sports are kind of still king in Oklahoma. I don't know if that's relevant to basketball, but college football is still king. And most basketball fans are just relating that to the college football team I support. I think most of them would probably say, hey, we can get Cade Cunningham. We can get the first the first pick in the draft. Like, let's do that. And probably didn't watch a lot of the games this year because the team was bad. So... I think there are fans or rather there are teams where that really matters, where it really matters. Like, Oh, this can really help us sell tickets and get people mm. to watch and get people invest in the team. It seemed like it mattered to the Suns with Deandre Ayton. I think there are markets mm. where it would matter. I think Oklahoma city has so much faith in Sam Presti and the fans are yeah. just have been so willing to invest in this long, long rebuild that I don't think it would mean all that much. I think it'd be cool but I don't think it's that important. But for now, well, it doesn't well, it's seem... Not that, well, it's not that long yet. <laughs> well, not that long yet, but we presume that it's going to take a while. But it doesn't seem like we're going to have a deal at number one. So congratulations. The Detroit Pistons have selected Cade Cunningham, point guard from Oklahoma State with the number one pick in the draft. Now we move on to number two. The Houston Rockets have a lot of experience dealing with the with the thunder, I I don't think I could possibly get into Tillman Fertitta's character. I just don't think I'm capable of that. <laughs> but if we're making this deal, if you did, I'd just have to shut up and listen. So that probably wouldn't be very entertaining. But <laughs> would not be good audio. No. <laughs> so if we're going to make this trade, if we're going to move down, we obviously want number six. We want number sixteen. But here's what we really want: if we are going to trade you the number two overall pick, we want to wipe away. All of the lingering effects of the Russell Westbrook trade. That means you will be taking on John Wall. And that means you will be sending us our first round picks back in 2025, 2026, and the swap rights in 25. That is our price for moving off of number two. What say you, Sam Presti? Okay, so it's six. We absorb Wall. The, 16. The, 2020, the 2024 top four protected pick. The 2025 top 10 protected swap and the 2026 top four protected pick. Correct. With number 16, correct. So you're essentially giving up four, three first-round picks. And 16. One swap. Oh, five. Well, six, 16, two more future picks, and one swap, plus wall. Look, so, here, so here's the thing. I knew, I knew with this exercise we were going to run into two things. <laughs> the first was my unwillingness to give up Shea in any deal. 
The, we have overcome second, that. Once we're past number one, Shea is off the table now. Yeah, great. <laughs> I was worried about that being continued issue. Um, the, the second thing I was worried about, and this seems like it's something that I'm going to have to continue to worry about, is that these picks are cheap to me, man. <laughs> like, we're talking, like, there are a few picks I value. Um, the 2024 top four protected and 2026 top four protected Houston picks aren't at like the bottom of my list of picks I value. Those are pretty good. You know, like Houston fans are at the point where they think uh, KPJ is a superstar and, and that's nice for them. Um, they got Christian Wood. He's expiring in two years. And then they've got whoever they get in this draft. But the thing about trading with Houston for the Thunder is if we take that pick away from them, then those later picks aren't worth as much, right? Yeah, so the idea for Houston here is they have a two-year window to tank right now. Mm -hmm. Because once 2024 arrives, they have lost control of their pick for the next three years. So they have to Thunder. But see, from the Thunder, like we just had that situation. They could engineer it to be a 50-50 shot, and that's annoying for us. It's really annoying. Well, yes, but it's a tough trade, right? I'm having a hard time with it, too. My argument for Houston, like, it's sort of – they would be putting themselves in a similar situation to where the Thunder are right now, where they would have infinite runway. Suddenly, you can tank forever if you have all of your own picks back, plus you have all of the Brooklyn picks to trade in future deals – And I don't think moving down to number six is that harmful for Houston. I mean, I'm, let's say I'm dubious of Kevin Porter Jr. I think Christian Wood is somebody they're probably going to trade eventually because he's the sort Mm -hmm. of player that doesn't stick around through a rebuild. I think Mm -hmm. he's probably going to seek out a contender at some point. So realistically, they're probably going to be bad anyway. If you're going to be bad anyway, barring the number two pick turning into like a superstar, you might as well have the right to tank and take your time with it. So from Houston's perspective, I like it. From Oklahoma City's perspective, that is a lot to give up. So let's just talk about this. Which picks do you value most out of the massive pile? Um, so I think extended Clippers on protected picks. Agreed. That's the obvious ones. Um, but well, before that, our own picks. So the Thunders picks, the Clippers picks, and then I guess the Houston picks as a batch are third. Because all the rest of our picks, while I think it's funny, actually, they were talking about Houston's picks because they have like Detroit and the Blazers ones just conferred this year. And then they also have like a Wizards pick. They have all these picks from these teams that never become unprotected and they never even like reduce to low protections. They reduce to second rounders. So I have the list in front of me. 2022 (laughs) Denver becomes a second rounder in 2025. Um, 2025 Philly becomes a second rounder in, I believe 27, maybe yeah, I think 27, um, the 2026 Houston becomes second rounders, 2024 Houston becomes second rounders. And that only has one year to convey. So you basically, it's a home run swing. If you don't get the pick, then you're getting a second rounder. So you're right. Some of these picks are very, very risky. Yeah, exactly. So, but also in addition to that, the Houston, all the picks Houston has, they think they're sitting on this mother load. Like, like they're even worse. Um, you, you're like looking at a Pistons pick that's 
like lottery protected and then rolls down to like top nine protected and or something. I mean, I, I'm, I don't have all the details on the Houston picks off the top of my head, but they have several picks that have no upside that could never even possibly turn into a, a high lottery pick. And I mean, yeah, the Thunder's Denver pick, it's lottery protected for three years and then rolls into seconds. But what if <laughs> they suck for a long time? You know, like it, at least there's a chance. And so I get, I guess my point is those are the picks I value the least is, is the picks that have the lowest chance that actually turning into something, even if they have the highest chance of conveying sooner. I'll push back on Houston a little bit and I'll say, I do think the late stage Nets picks are valuable. The problem is the Nets picks. Yeah. The Nets picks. Absolutely. They are valuable, but they're not valuable right now because there are very few GMs that have enough job security to say, I'm going to trade something really good for a pick that might be number one overall in six years. So I would say there's value, but it's not like the sort of value where they could trade that stuff right now and get a superstar that drastically alters the value of these Houston picks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their 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 Nets picks are our uh, Clippers picks, except you know the the Kawhi injury. Well, I mean that's it's kind Which of the brilliant amazing. it's the brilliance for Raphael Stone is. He now has infinite runway. He can't get fired until all of those picks have been settled. He's in a pretty similar situation to Presti as is. How would you feel about taking on John Wall? Um, what is He has one more year after this year or two? It's 44.3 this year and then a player option for, I believe, 47 point something the yeah. year after. So essentially, yeah, like, shocker, shocker. <laughs> I, I think John Wall's going to opt in. Um I, so it's essentially no, it's something like two years, 92 million, something like that. I mean, it doesn't, <clears throat> excuse me. It, it doesn't mean that much to me. So <laughs> let's just talk about Oklahoma city's cap space for a second in general. Are we just going to assume that they're not going to make any run at any free agents or are they like, are we thinking purely take on bad contracts for assets or is there anybody you think they might take a run at? I have one guy in mind, but I'm curious what you think. I am I am thinking I am assuming purely take on bad contracts because nobody signs in Oklahoma City. I would say there's one guy that I'm a little interested in, which is Duncan Robinson. The Thunder for oh, so, really? so long. Yeah, well, it's kind of a perfect confluence of thing, right? The Heat are sort of operating on a clock because they want cap space or they want to use their cap space. But the moment somebody signs Robinson to an offer sheet, their cap space essentially evaporates. So mm-hmm. the Thunder could put them under real pressure. The Thunder have never, not never, obviously, but like having shooting has been such a problem for them for so long where they have all of no, these no, big athletes. N- never, forward. never is okay. Well, Kevin Durant is the lone exception <laughs> and he's a, quite a big one, but he's still the exception. Um, but like the point is, this is the sort of guy they've never really had. And for whatever reason, have never been able to scout. So if they're going to get an elite shooter, something tells me their best chance of doing it is getting an established guy. And they have all this cap space burning a hole in their pocket. I guess they could take on $40 million worth of toxic assets, but are there $40 million worth of toxic assets? I'm not sure. I I think they'll probably end up with Marvin Bagley when the music stops because the Kings have to dump him so desperately. I guess maybe they could, I don't know. Like I'm just, I think you can get a little bit more aggressive with this space, but of course we did talk about the danger of getting too good. Duncan Robinson makes you a lot better and makes that offense that we think isn't going to be very good, substantially better. Well, it's interesting. Like uh, Marvin Bagley, like, 
that's totally a Sam Presti move is just to to take a former high lottery pick and try it. That is <laughs> the know, most obvious trade value rehab candidate in the NBA. The Thunder so are going to get him and they're going to sign and trade him for like four years, 80 million to <laughs> let's say the team that plays in the same state as Brooklyn, but I won't name them. <laughs> and he's immediately going to go back to sucking. A uh, big salary to eat. I mean, you said John Wall. I guess Kevin Love is another one. We'll, we'll get sure to him we'll get in to a moment. Him. We'll get to him in a moment. Um, yeah, you know, it, there's this debate among Thunder fans about so. So there's been this history, right, of the Thunder. It's like the Sam Presti type. They get the long, athletic guy who can't shoot, and then they teach him how to shoot. That's the the stereotype of the Sam Presti draft prospect, right? Are you you're aware of that? Yes. Yes. There's this debate among Thunder fans right now, though, about whether or not whether that was the Sam Presti type or whether that was, in fact, the Troy Weaver type. Ooh, I like this. Because because Troy Weaver, it, it's and this has been well documented, was the guy who was the Russell Westbrook guy. Um, the Thunder had a couple other people. I think Jared Bayless was. <laughs> High on their board, which wasn't Brooke Lopez the like the alternative that was widely discussed. Yeah. Yeah. Brooke Lopez. And then but Troy Weaver was like, no, Russell Westbrook is the guy and stood up and (laughs) made them draft him basically. And I mean, good on Troy Weaver. Good for him. Since he went to Detroit, Troy, that is, um, the Thunder then traded Hamadou Diallo, long athletic quote-unquote Sam Presti type, to Detroit, to Troy Weaver for Speed McCulloch, who is fine and not long. I think he has a negative wingspan, actually. As somebody who covers the Lakers, I will not handle – I will not take any Speed McCulloch slander. This is a pro Speed McCulloch podcast. He will be a Thunder for the next 10 years, and it will be glorious. Hey, I think think we'll probably give him a qualifying offer, and we'll see how it goes from there. (laughs) And then – but, like – not only that, but since Troy left, like the Thunder drafted, you know, Alexei Pokashevsky, um, Vic Krejci, who is about to, he was coming off an ACL injury, but he's about to play. But, and just like they've gone after all these versatile, um, in, in often cases, more pale uh, people who can shoot and, and dribble and pass and wingspan. We have we had two negative wingspan guys on the roster last year between uh, Spee and Ty Jerome, which has never happened before for the Thunder. So, so there's this debate going on among Thunder fan bases about whether the Sam Presti type was actually the Troy Weaver type, and we're seeing a complete overhaul of the so, type of player that we're going to pursue. A couple more points on that front. Josh Jackson is very much a quote-unquote Sam Presti type, and he ended up in Detroit. Sadiq Bey can shoot, so I think he was lower upside. He doesn't quite fit that mold, but, like, there's a little bit there. Sadiq Bey obviously turned out to be very, I think, very good. I think player. another one to add is that um, Sekou Dumboya was yep. the only player who survived the, the, the purge, the Weaver purge in Detroit. Oh, you're right. Like the more I think about it, all of the players from like what two years, the last two seasons, they're all gone. Canard's gone. He was Brown's the, gone. I think he was the only one remaining from last year. Was Dubois. wow. 
Yeah, I didn't even realize that, but you're right. I, I'm starting to buy into this. I think this is a good theory. <laughs> this is the very <laughs> rare occasion on this podcast where something starts out as a crackpot theory, but is well supported <laughs> enough to get me to buy in. I'm totally in. I think that's what happened. But the thought, the Rockets, they're on the clock, two minutes left. They need an answer. What's, what's your answer? Are you making this trade? Yes or no? Run it by me again. It was the, a long time ago. The Thunder get the number two overall pick and John yeah. Wall. The Rockets get number six, number 16, their own picks back in 24 and 26, and they eliminate the swap rights in 2025. Okay. Um, Essentially, everything from the Westbrook trade is extinguished yes. here. Yes. Is there any chance I can take the 2024 pick and just expand the protections to top 15? That would be acceptable, yes. Phone it in. Phone it in. We have a deal. So congratulations. The Thunder are on the clock at number two. Sam Presti, who are you picking? <laughs> I think it's Evan Mobley. I, 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 there's been a lot of smoke around. Uh, I don't even know if it's smoke, to be honest. It just seems like everybody kind of thinks it's the logical pick. Um, I know the Rockets are assumed to take Jalen Green. For that reason, I don't think they're that this trade even – would happen from their perspective. I think they are sold on Jalen Green. But if they're not, I think the Thunder love Evan Mobley. I agree. I think that if the Thunder are going to trade up, it's going to be in the next spot, which you're going to get to for a second. But let's mm -hmm. just talk about Evan Mobley. I am too afraid to be the guy who says I would take Evan Mobley number one overall. I am mm -hmm. not that far off. I just think he is the kind of big man that, like, there are very few big men in the modern NBA that I think are like true, true difference makers as far as if you have this guy, he essentially playoff proofs your roster. I think Mobley has a chance to be that guy. I don't know that he's going to be as good as Anthony Davis. I don't know that he's going to be as good as Giannis, but I think he's going to have a similar impact on a roster if you have enough else around him. And if you're the Thunder with all that other stuff, especially if you're starting with FGSDA, it's going to be pretty easy to get the right stuff around him. So I think that's a great fit. I think the Thunder had some success with an older, but sort of similarly skill set and less athletic version of this with Al Horford last year. I just think <laughs> now, like, I'm not saying That's... that I'm not saying that they're like that they're similarly athletic, obviously, but the idea of a stretch big man who can defend on the perimeter a little bit is all I'm saying. Okay. 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 Yeah. yeah um, <laughs> okay. Sorry. I <laughs> like all I'm saying was, is they've had the archetype on the roster, and that was when they were good, or not good, rather. That's when they went 16 and 19. Yeah. That's sorry. I was just, <laughs> I was waiting for a better name. <laughs> well, I'm going with somebody who was in the building. Would you prefer yeah, okay. like souped up Serge Ibaka? <laughs> yeah. Man, that's a good player, isn't it? Very good player. And by the way, regular Serge Ibaka was a very good player. We don't talk about that enough. We don't talk about it enough. Like he, he was, I remember talking about Serge Ibaka years ago and the only people who had ever made three pointers and block shots in the same combination as him was uh, Andre Karolinko, AK-47. Like, he's the only guy in history ever. It was just bizarre. He was a truly bizarre and wonderful player. I, I have Evan Mobley second on my big board. Um, I know a lot of people have Jalen Green there. I, I think Evan Mobley is wonderful. He's, I agree, he's 
he's pushing Cade Cunningham for the first spot. And look, I'm a best player available. I'm a do not draft for fit guy, but man, the fit with him and Shea is glorious. Well, I'm also like, I know that the 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 range of outcomes for Poku is like through the roof. Like anything oh, yeah. is possible. Can you imagine Mobley with what the best version of Poku might be? <laughs> like that is insane. That's the best front court in the NBA by a mile. So I, I would very, very much like to see that. I mean, I don't well, think Evan Mobley. We'll see. I, we'll see. I think Poku is like a two or a three. <laughs> well, I think when hopefully he puts on enough muscle to be a four, Mobley is your five, at least to close games. I think that's mm-hmm. just so, that would present so many matchup issues for opponents that even if you're giving up a little bit of weight, I, I do think that's something you'd want to do. But Basley can play four, obviously. They're going to add more young players. I just, I think the, having those many guys that are that big and that skilled, it would just, the upside would be through the roof. But it's, let's, it's I don't just, know. No, go it's ahead. just in the podcast here. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go. Well, we can't <laughs> do that. <laughs> we can't do that because with 15 seconds left, you're on the trade call. Tillman Fertitta is freaked out and said, the trade is off. We're done. We're not doing this. The Houston Rockets oh, no. have selected Jalen Green. The Cleveland Cavaliers are now on the clock. Fortunately, I think the Cleveland Cavaliers are a little bit more manageable. Now, getting into my Kobe Altman character, need to win right now, need to save my job. We want cap space. So we're sending you Kevin Love. We also want to win right now. We want somebody you can step into, if not our starting lineup, at least, you know what, I think he actually would. He'd start at the three. We want Lou Dort, and then we want two unprotected first-round picks. They can be Clippers picks, they can be Thunders picks, and you can pick the year on them. That is our price to move off number three. What say you? Man, you you, at, you deciding that I can decide which unprotected picks they are is and which years. Oh, goodness. actually, let me let me throw in a caveat here. The Thunder <laughs> okay. picks have to be twenty twenty five or earlier. You can't get. Oh yeah, no no worries, man. Where the the Thunder picks are off the table. I I okay. will give you twenty twenty four and twenty twenty six Clippers. Dort hurts. That pains me. Um, I love the guy and. You know, it, it's it's worth mentioning that he and Shay are best friends in the world. Um, there's a, there, I mean, they're both from Canada. There's a, a cute picture when Shay was getting his COVID vaccine of him like gripping Dort's arm, Dort's forearm, <laughs> like a, like a <laughs> child. They they're very close. So obviously, Dort's an amazing defender, and Thunder fans love him, and he's. Thunder fans, you know, fans are always going to love the players that they find off the scrap heap more than. As someone who covers the Lakers, I feel this with Caruso. And it like, <laughs> it, it scares me to my soul that somebody is going yeah. to steal him. So I understand the pain that you're going through in trading Lou Dort here. But I think yeah, this, is the, the, this is the. And the, the Lakers off. found him off our scrap heap too, right? That's played right. He the, did. He played for the yeah. blue. Played for the blue. <laughs> That's a rare so, miss yeah, by I mean, Presti. Yeah. <laughs> So Dort hurts. Dort hurts really, really badly. Um, but the fact that our picks are off the table and also the fact that the Clippers 2022 pick is off the table, which with Kawhi out and we all know Paul George's injury history, I mean, hypothetically, just picture that Clippers team without Kawhi or Paul George. Like, where do they land in the lottery? Well, 
just think about the last time the Clippers owed an unprotected pick to another team. The pick literally was number one. It was Kyrie Irving. <laughs> that is not a good omen for the Clippers going into this season. I will say personally that I don't think they're going to make the playoffs like a top six seed yeah. without Kawhi. But I think if Kawhi comes back later in the year, they keep most of the supporting cast around. And Paul George maybe doesn't play every game, but is mostly healthy. I don't think that's a high lottery pick either. I think you're looking at like mid-teens, give or take. Yeah, no, I would no. personally rather if have Paul the later George Clippers is healthy. Picks. If Paul George is healthy, that's not a high lottery pick. That and, 2026 yeah, I mean, Clippers pick is really appealing to me. I think that's a very high pick. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have no financial flexibility whatsoever. They're totally capped out. So you're relying on Kawhi Leonard and Paul George of all superstars to be healthy five years from now. I don't buy that. I think that's a great pick. Yeah, it is a good pick. The, the thing that I worry about with the Clippers picks is uh, Steve Ballmer. Is, is just the fact that whatever happens with them, he is going to spend a lot of money and keep them relevant. So I honestly, like the thing you're rooting for with those picks is, I mean, you know, you don't want to say rooting for, but the highest upside with the picks of that team is people getting hurt. And it, it's not, it doesn't like feel good when they get hurt, but then you have to look and be like, Oh my God, Kawhi's hurt. Now that's a lower tier playoff team, like at best. What if Paul George gets hurt? So, you know, like I just, I just think no matter what happens, he's, he's going to spend a bunch of money. I would prefer to give up the later Clippers picks to this 2022 pick, just given re- recent circumstances. In a vacuum, yeah, sure. Give them, give us the recent ones. You're so, not getting our picks. You can have 2024 really? and 2026 Clippers. Yeah. So you don't value the Thunder later picks like you value them that highly. Like you want to keep your own picks into 24, 25, 26 when this team is maybe starting to get on the upswing. They're the only ones we can control. You know what? That's fair. And that was the entire logic of the Houston offer. So it makes mm-hmm. sense. The other danger of the Clippers picks is that, like, for all we know, they might just double down, right? Like, their 2028 first-round pick is tradable this offseason. Right. Maybe they send that out for immediate help. Maybe you get to 2023, and they're thinking, let's trade our 2030 pick for something good, right? Like, that, I think, is the danger that you run into, aside from, I mean, in addition to the Steve Ballmer financial stuff, is that team is not going to give up. Like, they're going to keep keep pushing to win and by the way it's smart on their part right because even if this mm-hmm. if this thing blows up they're not going to rebuild through the draft they're just going to clear the decks and try for um, new free agents right and without the steve Ballmer financial stuff i wouldn't worry so much about that but the fact is if Kawhi is an expiring 40 million dollar contract in 2024 like they're flipping him for well i don't know what whose whose timelines are hard Anthony Davis, so that, that's not happening. But you know what I mean. Yes. Like, like they're not just going to say, okay, cool, we'll take the savings. They're flipping them for another superstar with, with whatever picks they have available. I'm a little worried that I asked, like, just given how excited you were, that I didn't ask for enough in this trade. Maybe I <laughs> undervalued Dort. Maybe I should have asked for more picks. Out of curiosity, how many picks would you go? Like, if the general construction is love six Dort plus future picks – how high would you go to get to three? Oh, for if Dort's included, I think I'd go. It's just so hard because these it's it just these picks feel like funny money, you know? They really do. They're clearly <laughs> like not care. because in a few years, like 
they're going to be very, very valuable, but like they have so many of them that we'll see. And, and that's why I care which picks. Yeah. But if you ask me to just add picks, I mean, we have several that are never going to be in the top 10 or the top 15, like just based on the protections. I'll throw those in. Like, I don't care about those picks. They don't matter to me. They, well, those are very good for optics, too. Like, for yeah, a GM that's like, fighting ooh, for Ooh, they job. got five instead yeah. of four. Like, whatever. It's the 2023 Miami pick that is never going to be a good pick. Like, have it. <laughs> so, right. I mean, I care about which picks, but if, if you want to ask, like, sheer volume. Let's of, say three good, are, or let's say good picks, right? Like, how many good picks are you willing to give up to get up to number three? Um, I, I would say four and Dort counts for one. Oh, so three picks plus Dort, you're saying? Plus six, obviously. Good ones? Yeah, good ones. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I could have asked for more, but I think the broad point here is I think there is a like, non-trivial chance that the Thunder make this deal. I don't think it would be smart for Cleveland. I think Evan Mobley would be the best player on their roster immediately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just think they're so desperate to win right away that they would be up for doing something stupid like this to create a significant chunk of cap space, get somebody in Dort that like, man, he would really do wonders for their defense. He'd probably be defending threes if he's playing with Sexton and Garland, but they're, they're Dort, he can do Dort. that. They're missing a Dort. <laughs> they really, I mean, I think they hope that a Coro can get to that level, but like, guess what? <laughs> How many guys in the NBA ever get to be as good at defense as Lou Dort is? It's a very, very short list, right? Like, Personally, I would have had him. He was one of my two first team all defense guards this year. So and I, he's, I mean, if the team, if the record was better, he's a lock. But I mean, I get I why he didn't 100% like it, agree. and that's fine. Yeah, I mean, this is just the sort of thing that a desperate team might do. So if we were to say what is the likeliest trade out of the ones we're going to talk about, it's probably with Cleveland. So congratulations, we have a deal. But oh no, Dan Gilbert has reneged at the last second again. So we move on to Toronto. Did we at least get a letter in Comic Sans? Did we get a letter? You get a fax. The public doesn't get to see it, but all of his official communications (laughs) stay in Comic Sans. We're moving on to Toronto, and this is where the value starts to drop a little bit. But pairing Shea Gildas-Alexander with Jalen Suggs would be very, very – like that would be a really appealing long-term backcourt. And if you throw Dort in too, you'd have great, great defensive upside with that trio. But – the Raptors want to be competitive next year, too, so they want Lou Dort in this deal. They want to bring Canadian treasure Lou Dort back home. But as far as future picks go, they're pretty amenable. They're thinking, we're one of the best player development teams in all of the NBA. We would be happy with Scotty Barnes. We would be happy with Jonathan Kaminga. We're pretty flexible here. So we're going to ask for Lou Dort, and we're going to ask for, let's say, one Clippers pick and then one of the not as great picks. I'll throw out 2022 Denver. Uh, I, yeah, 2023, I think. But Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Dude, again, it's it's like the only sticking point here for me to start. I don't – this is what the picks are for, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's – people are worried about the fact that, oh, you have so many picks that people are going to ask you for to overpay. And, like, fine. You know, like, I, like what we we're going to use, we have, I think, what was it at last count? 19 firsts in the next seven years. And then is it 19 now? Seconds. I've lost track. I think, I think it's 19 firsts and 17 seconds, maybe 18 and 17. 
<laughs> like, something well, like that. We're not going to use them. We can't use them. So like but Boston proved that, by the way, like this is something that people haven't talked about enough. Boston made all of their picks and what they found was they didn't have playing time for those guys. So those guys turned out to be significantly less valuable than they would have been on other teams just because they couldn't get on the floor. The Thunder are not going to make that same mistake. They're going to trade these picks. They are their money, <laughs> their money. And if we have to pay a little bit extra because somebody wants it, well, that's the luxury of having all these picks is that we can pay a little bit extra if they decide to be jerks about it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. There's this misconception, I think, and I've heard it on a couple podcasts, national podcasts, that Sam Presti feels like he has to win every trade. Sam Presti wants to get his guy. So, like like I mentioned earlier, trust the Presti. If, if it's the guy he wants and they want to throw in an extra first rounder, especially if it's one of these bad ones, like, I don't care. I could care less. I, I believe in his player evaluation and do it. Like well, the, the, I, I love Dort. I'm sorry for Dort. Well, let's talk about the Dort home. side of this because <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. These picks, they're, they're valuable, but a lot of the teams that they would be talking to like Toronto and Cleveland specifically are teams mm -hmm. that like want to get better next year. Orlando, maybe not so much Houston, maybe not so much. I think Dort on his super valuable contract, like he's worth a first round pick, even if he were paid market rate, right? Because he's just such a rare player. When you factor in how cheap he is, especially for a team like Toronto that wants to spend cap space, like that is a really, really valuable player. Like giving him up is not some trivial thing. Do you value Jalen Suggs highly enough to do that? Like, are you looking at Jalen Suggs as, you know, future all-star? Are you looking at him as very good starter? Like, how, ex how enthused are you if Suggs is the guy you come away from this way? Well, Suggs seems like he might have potential on his own to be an all-defense caliber player <laughs> in his career. Um, look, I love, Lou I love Lou Dort. I love him j just like we talked about, that we found him on the scrap heap, and he's a, he's a diamond in the rough. Um, he can't finish at the rim right now, which is a cap on his ceiling currently um ho hopefully he can figure that out but as of now he's an excellent defender with an improving three-point shot that's pretty streaky who can't finish at the rim and is like a so-so a, a passer he considers himself a point guard but he's he's not yet um well he's not but he can at least dribble a little bit like this is not Andre Robertson. he can dribble he can attack a close no he's absolutely not Andre Robertson he can attack a closeout he's he's a functional player on the offensive end I've I've commented a lot of times that like of the Tabo Cephalosha, Andre Robertson, um, Terrence Ferguson mold that the Thunder have tried to fill the two spot with, he is clear, clearly and far and above the best basketball player. I don't know if he's the best Hooper. He's the best basketball player. I think I, I, I'm not getting into the Hooper discourse on this show, <laughs> <laughs> but it seems like I, I'm just something as a general note, like it, it seems like, this is going to be a little easier for the Thunder than I maybe thought it was going to be. Like I thought I was setting fairly high prices and like we negotiated a little bit on Houston, Cleveland, you were ready to jump right away. And Toronto, it seems like you're on board as well. Like maybe this is really going to be that easy. Maybe Sam Presti really can just say, this is the player I want. I'm going to go get it. Man. I hope so. I, you know, I'm, I, I'm always skeptical <laughs> because 
like these are my prices and maybe Sam's are different. I mean, and if they are, he's, he's smarter than me. And all of this rests on his evaluation and or on the front office's evaluation of these players. It, it's they'll identify their guy. And if they think Jalen Suggs isn't good, or if they think, um, I don't even think we've discussed them taking Jalen Green. I hope they don't. <laughs> but I think they, at this point they, that's off the table. I, yeah, I think I think that's set. I think one and two are set. I agree. Um, but if they if they decide that a guy is the one they want, I mean, they have the ammo to go get him, and they can. But if I mean, so did you see the report that they actually pursued Book Knight entering the draft? the prior year that was i did not know that, that no so that would have been last year then yeah I, could, I mean so this year was his sophomore year they inquired after him entering the draft after his freshman year I, I i can't remember who who reported that and i hate when podcasts do this but hey he was he's more I, famous I do it than all us. the time i have a bad memory the, whoever reported this was more famous than us he's he's a, he was a big <laughs> he's okay. guy so he, he doesn't need it uh your listeners can go find it, but yeah, that, that was reported. And Sam Presti has a history of getting his guys, you know, like he, there were reports that he wanted to trade up for Victor Oladipo in that draft. And that would have been ridiculous. Cause I think we, I mean, we were a good team at that point and he went, well, they had the Adams pick. So I remember that right. being semi attainable. I thought they were going to trade it for Macklemore that year, actually. Right. Yeah. But so there, there were reports that he liked Oladipo and, you know, eventually he got Oladipo. Like he, he just has a history of getting the guy that he likes. So, I mean, if you liked book night last year, it's not unreasonable to think that the Thunder are just looking at book night at six and being like, <laughs> that's kind of what we wanted anyways. We'll just take him. But if they want one of these other guys, they can get there if they really want to. And if so, they really want to, then I support throwing in all the garbage picks that it takes. So I'll turn this around a little bit then for the number five slot. As Sam Presti, do you like James Booknight so much that you're not even going to make an offer to get up to five for Scotty Barnes? Are you going to make a token offer? Where are you at? Does Scotty Barnes move the needle enough for you to give up anything? If So you're saying if, if the Thunder likes Scotty Barnes more than Booknight? Correct. Like how much of a gap do you, is the gap there big enough that you're potentially giving something up or is moving up to five, just not worth it for that. Well, you know, it depends how much more they like him. Right. But if, if they do like Barnes more than book night, I'd give an extra first. Like that's. I love how cavalier you get to be about this. I envy I know. <laughs> that you just kind of be like, okay, well, I guess we can give up a first. I cover the Lakers and I'm sitting here trying to convince people like, <laughs> no, the 2027 Lakers first has like a fair bit of value. <laughs> that must be so fun as somebody covering a team. You really do just get to like hand out first round picks, like free samples. Yeah. We're not, we're not recording video right now, but I'm just doing the like spreading dollar, dollar bills around the club <laughs> hand gestures just into the air. It's like, you get a Houston yeah, pick. You so get a Houston pick. Everybody gets a Houston pick. <laughs> Take a protected Houston pick. I mean, I kind of like those, but they scare me a little bit. I have PTSD after this this lottery. Um, but hey, any of the like, we got a Phoenix pick, we got a Denver pick, we got a Philly pick. Like, we got a diversified portfolio. You can choose. We don't care. That's 
by the way, just as an aside, I think that's the fundamental difference between the Pelicans and the Thunder, aside from like the fact that now the Thunder have so many more picks than the Pelicans. I always just thought, okay, sure, you have a lot of picks, but you have picks from two teams, one of which has Giannis and the other has Anthony Davis. Are those picks really all that valuable? Mm-hmm. The fact that Oklahoma City is as diversified as it is, that's what makes these picks so valuable to me. They don't have yeah. to worry that much about not getting value out of this because, you know, oh, one team turned out to be good. If the Clippers turn out to be great for the next five years, like, okay, we'll turn our attention to Houston. We'll turn our attention to, you know, this, that. I just, that, I have such a hard time imagining them not getting good value out of these picks if they don't trade them, which, frankly, based on the tenor of these negotiations, it seems like they've got a pretty good chance to do so. Hey, but, I mean, that's just a more diversified portfolio to offer to teams, right? Like, we didn't expect this last Houston pick to be worth anything, but there it goes. And it didn't end up this, it's, you know, the swap, it didn't end up conveying, but that, that had value for a long time. Like maybe the Thunder that should have been that. Yeah. I was going to say that could have been <laughs> traded at the deadline for something good. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, but so there's five teams that Thunder have interest in. And if any of these teams explode, in the next five years, which I mean, five out history of says games, one like, will somebody explodes, yeah. right? So, like, yeah, that's the value of having a diversified portfolio is that somebody well, has bad things happen to them. And just, just you know, like I said before, God forbid five. they're injuries, but what if they are? Look who's in the top five this year. Coming into this season, Houston had James Harden, and Toronto was the reigning number two seed in the East. They're both mm-hmm. in the top five this year. That should say everything that needs to be said. It's the NBA. Weird stuff happens all the time, and it only needs to happen once, right? Like, the Clippers could get the number one pick once due to a fluke injury. Like, say, this year, maybe Paul George gets hurt, and all of a sudden their pick is number one. They could still be great in all the years after, but you only need it to happen once. And with 18 tries, I feel pretty good about it happening at least once. Yeah, and, you know, Warriors last year. What if they had traded that pick? (laughs) Well, that's, that's something that's going to haunt them for a long time. I mean, either not taking LaMelo or not trading the pick, but mm. that seems like a good place to close because it is now past midnight on the West Coast. By the time we wake up, like we might wake up to a trade from Oklahoma City. They surely have the ammo to do it. Before we close, actually, 16 and 18. Are you trying to trade up with those? Do you have a specific target in mind? Oh yeah, I've I've long been consistent that those picks are getting traded up. I've I've worked out some stuff with Twitter accounts on the internet with getting us up to eleven with Charlotte. That's a, I think as high as I've gotten anything solid. I think the Kings are in play at nine, um, especially if you include one of thirty four or thirty six. Which don't overlook those. Those are quality picks. Thirty four. Well, also those picks right? aren't subject to the rookie scale. So if you're mm-hmm. trying to create cap space this off season. Having the number 31 pick is more valuable than having the number 30 pick because you don't have a cap hold on the books. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love 34 and 36. I mean, we got Teo Maladon who had some mixed results this year, but we see a lot of potential at that range. And yeah, those picks in the 30s are worth something. So I think between 16, 18 and those two picks, I'd kind of be surprised if the Thunder don't move up into the late, mid to late lottery. I think. Um, given what we talked about with the new Thunder archetype with Troy Weaver going to Detroit, I think Alper and Shangun makes a lot of sense for the Thunder if they can reach that area. 
I would be very wary of taking him if I only had one lottery pick. But if I have two, like, sure, yeah. let's swing for the fences. Exactly. Like, right. if you <laughs> spent an entire season tanking for Sengun, mm-hmm. that is a real, real risk. <laughs> but if you're the Thunder and it's just like, you know what? If we if we take this guy and he sucks, like nobody's going to remember in three years. I think that's fine. But I think that's the right place to close. Steven, you host Topic Thunder. Where can people listen? Oh, everywhere, man. Um, it's 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 on all the platforms, you know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Twitter, just any anywhere you can listen to a podcast, except for Stupid Green Room. Um, we're not <laughs> on there very often. Well, I, I imagine, support it. Well, I imagine you're going to have a pretty busy next week, week or two, right? Like, Oklahoma City's going to do something. Yeah, dude, it's... The odds of us making a trade in the next couple of days are, are like ninety-five percent. Hey, <laughs> yeah, like it just has to happen. We're not rostering six rookies next season. <laughs> well, if you're trying to tank, rostering six rookies is a good way to do it. But that'll do it for us here today. Um, we will be back after the draft. Free agency starts next week. I'm sure we'll have plenty of stuff on that. Stephen, it was an absolute pleasure. And then otherwise. We'll be back in the next few days. Yeah. Hey, do you mind if I say, like, uh, I mean, I've been listening to your podcast and, like, uh, Mark Schindler and you got, like, Billy Reinhardt. These are guys that I talk to on Twitter on the regular. And then um, Yossi Goslan, man, me and me and Yossi, the, uno- and- the unofficial <laughs> second host of this podcast, or second co-host of this podcast. And he's so good, man. He, he's the man. I talk- love Yossi so much. Yeah, we he, we hit each other up about, and I, I, I consider myself, like, pretty good about the salary cap stuff but he is like 90th yeah. percentile he is so i call him and, a cap guy's cap guy because i do a lot of the cap yeah. stuff for cbs and when i have questions he's the guy that i go to yeah but he's also the person that i talk to about basketball the most because he's the guy that like you know it's 5 30 in the morning and he's like let me pitch you this fake grizzlies trade i fucking love <laughs> I that I, yossi's the man i know he's great and i just i appreciate what you're doing man like you you have people who know basketball, but also like know the nitty gritty detail stuff and you don't do like the hot take stuff and to be included is an honor and I'm flattered, but I just appreciate what you're doing and keep, and keep pumping. It Thank up. you, man. It really means a lot to, uh, to hear you say that I've never gotten that on air from another guest. So believe <laughs> me, that means a lot. And you have earned yourself an invite for a second appearance. <laughs> I'll, so, I'll be back. I'll be back. Well, listen, the Thunder are going to control the NBA for the next five years. So I'm going to need Thunder content. So congratulations. You've earned yourself right. the spot. You're, you're our new Thunder beat guy. So you know, that'll do it for us there today. But believe me, we'll be back with more Thunder stuff and we'll be back with more, say, non Thunder stuff, which encompasses a pretty decent NBA in the semi near future. So otherwise, until then. Go like, go subscribe, go do whatever it is you need to do to get people to listen. So that'll do it, and we will be back.